This episode is brought to you by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will take away the hassle of distributing your podcast. They do it themselves. You can hear it on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, whatever. Wherever you listen to your podcasts, your podcast will be there for you to hear. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That means you can have three listeners and still get paid to do your podcast. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. To get started, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm. Make your podcast today so the whole world can hear your weird voice. So, uh, when we first started dating, um, do you remember, like, me telling you about all my issues? Or do you remember me telling you about, like, (laughs) all of my, like, little peccadilloes and... (laughs) Um, I actually, uh, for those who don't know, which I'm pretty sure all the listeners here will know that we met on Tinder. Sure. Um... I had done my uh, due diligence of stalking you before we met um, in person, and you were pretty private on um, most platforms, but I saw on Facebook that you had um, made a post about your having an anxiety disorder, and it was like yeah, in yeah. humor. You were like, the fun thing about having an anxiety disorder is, and so that kind of tipped me off, and I... I just put it in my pocket until we got more comfortable. Right, right. And then um, when we met up and then had a really good first date and we were still talking, I just, I asked you, I that's said, true. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, true. you know, cause I was comfortable telling you that I stalked you. Like, I don't know why people pretend like that's not a thing. And so <laughs> I just was blunt and said, look, I was looking on your Facebook and I saw that you made a comment about having an anxiety disorder. Can you tell me more about that? And yeah, yeah you were, uh, you were actually really, um, inquisitive which Mm -hmm. was nice right i'm drinking wine by the way so if you hear sips that's because i'm drinking it yeah that's that's (laughs) totally fine who does podcasts without alcohol i don't know um so yeah and then you were you were very open about it which made me attracted to you more because and i think most women can attest to this there are so many times where we have dated men and know that they need mental help (laughs) um and they definitely suffer from some sort of like personality disorder or mental health issues and we're often left to be the and ones if you try that to suggest that to him no super, no i don't you're fucking crazy yeah super denial uh or deflection yeah and um you were super open about it and so it was really nice especially considering my exes um shout out to all you you're all shitty um and so i just it was really refreshing I'll to meet each and every one of your asses <laughs> yeah for sure um no, it just like there are definitely times when it it's just like women become the people who are supposed to fix their partner or that's how we feel. And it, yeah. it's horrible on both sides. Like women should never feel like they have to fix anyone or seek to fix anyone. But there's a lot of men who take advantage of the love and support that a lot of, of their partners give them. And they don't realize that it's emotionally damaging a lot of the time. And No, and that's entirely fair. Um, I... I can't say that I was. I can't say that I was reluctant to tell you. I mean, yeah, I did put it on Facebook, but 
you know, you always like, <laughs> especially something as intense as panic disorder, you're always going to be like, I don't know if this person is going to, I don't know what this person's going to make of it when they actually see me have a meltdown. And yeah. you hadn't for the first, I'd say five, six months mm-hmm. we were together. I didn't have. I don't. I mean, I th- and I think when I had a panic attack, it was a very small one, and it was at work. I told you. Yeah, about it was at Whole Foods. Yeah. Yeah. I told you that I had one, but you hadn't witnessed it, and you know, we were dating. We had just started dating. Like, yes, I put that on Facebook, and obviously, you asked me about it. And you asked me a lot of questions about it, and you seemed genuinely interested in knowing like triggers and. You know, <laughs> well, again, on my side, it was more it was so important that when you told me about it, you said uh, like how you, you told me about how you found your psychiatrist and how you got medicated recently or like within the last year uh-huh, yeah, yeah. and that like you felt better now more than ever and that you're really glad you found some medication you like. And that was just such a breath of fresh air, especially after being single for a year, which I know is not a long amount of time, but it was very eye opening from for well, me because I mean, it's a long amount of time when you've been in relationship yeah i've just been in relationship to relationship and so it was pretty eye-opening you know to see all the types of dating people do and like i had never really done the whole talking kind of thing i mean i kind of did with brian i guess but um it was more like just jumping into monogamy instead of like like seeing people and so i definitely was like just it was a nice <laughs> breath of fresh air that um <laughs> sorry guys our cat is being obnoxious to no one's surprise um anyway it was a nice breath of fresh air because i had just been really over it and dealing with the whole like does he like me does he not like me right. is he going <laughs> to communicate is he not right. and then you were just very straightforward when i asked you which is just so rare to get out of men is like just a straightforward answer about something i was straightforward but i was also a little uh well, what I felt was oversharing, you know, right. especially when it came to like, you know, my sexual hangups and uh, my anxiety about sex in general. And right. Um, and that. Was, yeah. Well, that I mean, uh, without being like, you know, me, I would talk about sex all day, but without giving away like way too many details it definitely helped to know about your panic disorder before we did have sex because it was kind of um a situation that we dealt with um panic related the first time we did and and it was pretty soon in our it was a third date Um, i'm not shy about that um and you know you were worried that you would ruin it all that next day oh yeah absolutely i uh i wouldn't say i had a panic attack but you know, right before we were going to have sex for the first time, I did have a performance-related semi-meltdown <laughs> that kept me from, you right. know, performing. Well, And instead of, like, being an asshole about it, you just talked to me about it, and then well, the next time there were no issues. Well, that's the thing I think that there's a bis- big misunderstanding about, I mean, at least with adult or mature people, is that, like, once you communicate that you have this issue, then everyone's a lot more understanding about it. But had you not told me that, and had you pretended like that you didn't suffer from anything, I would have definitely second thought our situation and been like, well, what the hell just happened back there? And, like, I definitely, like, I just think this is a perfect example of why you should just be more open about mental health issues, because it allows people to look at a situation differently instead of like well here's another person who's like got weird shit they won't talk about (laughs) and i'm gonna have to like dig deep to figure it out yeah totally and and you were very clearly you made it very clear that you were not interested in that again you were not interested in digging for answers no you just wanted to have them (laughs) and i was going i gave them even if they were in my eyes painful admit yeah and it helped us and when you did have your first panic attack while we were together later when you were at work and you kept saying like i don't know what brought this on i was doing so well i don't know why this is happening and it was like you were in your tunnel mode texting me like 
everything was fine. I don't know what happened. And like that is also a huge example of panic disorder because there are sometimes, especially four years in now, we've been together. There are times you've just come out of the bedroom and been like, I don't know why, but I'm panicking. Yeah. Uh, it'll, it's weird. It'll just tunnel immediately. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, um, I remember, <laughs> I remember telling you about my therapist mm-hmm. and you really wanted to come with me. Yeah. And I was, uh, you know, and I told you at the time, like, yeah, okay, you can come with me. I don't know if you'll want to like sit in, but not only did you want to sit in, my therapist wanted to bring you in. Yes. And, and it was, I was it- a little reluctant about that because just because, you know, <laughs> you're fully, you're fully opening yourself up. You're fully opening up your crazy mm-hmm. to another person when you are in a therapy appointment with them. Right. But and, I, yeah, I think that is so important. And I, I, be, lots of us women want, w- wish we could be in therapy sessions with men so that we could be like, can you tell us what the fuck is happening? And that wasn't the case for us because you had already opened up about it. You were just still trying to put on the facade that you were like somewhat normal when your brain kept telling you that you were crazy or like that's what therapy means is there's like I have deeper issues when there's just, like absolutely that's not true and we know there's a stigma around it that we're trying to I think now in 2020 has even from 2016 has just broken down barriers around mental health like yeah. especially with social media awareness and all of that but your therapist psychiatrist told me the best thing ever and I just remember it always and she said he couldn't have found a better partner than you and the way you understand his issue is like perfect and I I couldn't have picked out a better person and I was like "Hmm, I'm perfect and great thank you I know (laughs) (laughs) but I just think like it's so easy to be understanding of someone's issues now the hard part and I'm sure we'll get into this or we can get into it now is when we fast forward to when we move here when we moved here and I think it was, that's like a pretty important. That, yeah. That, um, when we moved to Maine in 2018, I had a very small supply of my medication and we just thought to ourselves, like when we get up there, we'll get settled. We'll find a way to get your medication easily. Well, because we lost his insurance through exactly. Whole Foods. He quit Whole Foods, yeah. lost insurance, and then we were thinking we didn't know or have the resources to get affordable insurance or affordable medication. We just didn't know. And so we were asking friends in the in in the field of any kind of medication. We're like, what do we do? Where do we go? And it took three months before we figured it out. Yeah, and in those three months, you got to see the... Yeah. unmedicated raw nerve mm-hmm. that is my panic the yes. smallest things set me off so when that you turned into the biggest things that turned into the longest panic attacks and you were there for every one of them and it clearly and this isn't like this isn't a dig on you obviously because we talked about this over and over but it clearly was affecting you oh yeah yeah. Well, I think it's easier. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know Zach very well, I think all my friends already know this, but <laughs> Zach is a very lovely person who throughout our relationship has been surprised that I want to be with him, which I think is also a part of panic disorder, but leads you to believe that you're not as lovable as some other people. Um, he definitely has self-respect, but just some insecurities tied to um someone wanting to be with him for the long term after seeing his crazy or his ugly or whatever that like yeah, someone because wanna... it, I mean in the preceding in the preceding years you know I was always medicated mm-hmm. you would I did have occasional panic attacks and rough moments like we would go to parties and I would have to leave because mm-hmm. just something would happen in my head yeah and but you were always like because I got over it quickly because I was medicated and also you were always just understanding you're like yeah that's yeah, fine just uh just head home and I'll be home in a little while. And it was like never an issue. But right. this was, this was, there was no escape Mm-mm. because I didn't have the medication. I didn't have therapy. I had nothing. 
Right. And um, at first it was a little rocky just from moving because we didn't have any friends or family here or network at all. And so when I started work, Zach went to did a couple different jobs that he figured out weren't right for him. Right. Um, and then he just decided to start driving for Uber because it was more in his control. But there were at least at least twice a week where he would be driving and I would be at work um, serving and he would, I would look at my phone and I would have like novels of text messages yep. about like how your heart skipped a beat while you were driving. And yep. so you completely spiraled out of control and that you were like in the fetal position at home and you like, kept saying sorry you were such a fuck up you were like horrible and like a different person and you know before we got married you were like are you sure you want to marry me like do you know what you're marrying and I was like yes and I stay I stand by that because you don't marry with someone with some sort of panic disorder anxiety disorder or any kind of mental health issue that they've been super open about and then see the worst of it and then like resent that in them you make a promise to someone and like I don't I never thought I would get married so like getting married wasn't just like I can't wait till it, the yeah, day it, you know you were you were very careful to, to tell me that this wasn't on a whim right and you make all of your decisions in a calculated way and yeah I don't mean calculated in a negative way I just no. mean like you 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 very much calculate yeah the pros and cons and you make decisions but I was still convinced not convinced but you know you're you're still you have some sort of I think now you're better than ever, but I think there's still something in the back of your mind where you're just like, Oh, she'll figure it out eventually. Well <laughs> She'll you know, see eventually. Just, uh, just from coming out of the bedroom at night while you're just like you're hanging out peacefully on the couch and I've already gone to sleep and then some nights I come out of the fucking bedroom and I'm just like don't know what's happening, but I'm panicking. Yeah. Of course, that has happened a lot more lately because of the state of the world. It's a little... There are a lot of existential factors now that are like making me anxious. Mm -hmm. But still, it's it's hard to it's sometimes it's still it's it's hard to understand like <laughs> you know. And obviously you've got your things that you are anxious about. Mm -hmm. Everybody does. But very few people have it to a degree that I have. Yeah. I I mean, just going back to, I, I don't think, and I told some of my friends at the time when we were going through it, but it was eye-opening for me, but also for anyone else who's with someone with a mental health disorder or, or whatever. I just think it's important like that we did go through that because it was not just like you were unmedicated and we were still surrounded by a super like a strong support group. We were we had support. We had all of our friends didn't just stop talking to us. I mean, Kayla was helping us try like trying to like Lauren, my my hairstylist was trying and my mom, like everyone was super supportive, but in general, it was a super rough time daily and I'm not going to like make people live through that day. But for three months, Zach was super unhappy in Portland, thought for sure that we'd made a huge mistake moving here, thought he would never find happiness here. And I, w I just kept saying, like, look, you got to give it time. We just moved here and you you're not at a job. And I am like, I'm meeting people. I'm, you know, I'm the more social one anyway. But it was like, you know, you're not medicated. Let's yeah, let's just wait and see what happens when you get back in the routine that made your life more positive. Right. And you were right. And, but you kept and, you saying, know, obviously, no. I, yeah. I, obviously, in my head, I didn't want right. to think you were right. Well, I wanted to think that my stupid fucking brain disease was right. Yeah, but you like, don't know. Like, your thoughts feel as real as they feel right now. So I, I'm not going to... There's no resentment. Yes, of course, there were frustrating days. And there were days where I'd look at my phone and see the long text and be like... <sighs> You know, like yeah, I'm at work, course. I would, I want to be a good partner and carry you through this, but this is of also course. the second time this week but and it's I can't also exhausting. Yeah. It's exhausting for everyone around, but you knew that. And then on top of that, we're like, I'm such a terrible husband. I'm a bad partner. Like you shouldn't have married me. I mean, just anything you can think of that was spiraling. And then we would, I'd come home and you'd say you felt a little bit better and you'd still feel guilty for, you know, putting the burden on me. But the thing is, it's, yes, it was hard and stressful, 
And financially, we, I mean, we just didn't have any money and I was working and I felt like I was carrying a lot of the weight and you knew that. And, oh, yeah, for sure. And we talked about it. And the thing is, you can't just like fast forward through the hard parts, you know, like I knew we would get through it and I'm impatient. Everyone knows this. I'm super impatient, but I am insanely patient when it comes to people I love and dealing with any kind of issues they may have. You're impatient on like outside things, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> like tangible material things. Like You're the impatient. mail. Yeah. <laughs> Bring me my mail. Bring me my mail or... <laughs> Like, listen, I don't want to have to learn this. I just want to know it. I want to know what it is. This is God. ridiculous. Yes. But you are extremely patient when it comes to people in your life that you care about. Yeah. And I was, I don't want to say slowly figuring this out because obviously we had already been together and we were married, but in my unmedicated brain, I was still slowly figuring, okay, well, you may be really fucking struggling, but. She's not going to abandon you. Right. But you you thought I, I mean, you kept saying like, I told you, I told you, you could do yeah, better than true. me. I told you that this wasn't going to be good. Like it was still panic brain that I could recognize. Like, and I never seen it that bad and I didn't know what to do. I mean, I'm not a professional. I asked Kayla a lot cause she works in that field. And I asked a lot of friends and stuff who were also like, that sounds horrible. We love Zach. Like, you know, Anna, any of my friends were like, I love Zach and I, I don't, I can't imagine how I would handle that because you can't imagine how you'd handle it until you're working with it. And at the time I knew that it would be okay. Of course there were some days where I was like, Oh my God. Well, like, yeah, of course there were, some, there were some days where I was thinking like, this is not going to end well. <laughs> this is going to end in, this woman divorcing me. No, I know, but I knew that, and I knew that wasn't going to be the case. But I just don't think that you agree to marry someone, even though, honestly, we weren't together very long before we got married. No. There was, I knew, in my calculated decision, I knew there was going to be a learning curve. And we were also moving to an area where we didn't know anyone that was 15 hours away from everyone we knew. So it's like, I chose, we chose to put that pressure on our relationship and like it would have been easier if you had been medicated sure but like it kind of was nice to early on in our relationship rip that band-aid off and say like mm-hmm. yeah. here's the hardest hurdle we're gonna have to go through this is gonna be let's, this is gonna be as bad as it'll get like let's move and be unmedicated and, and it like, kind of makes it sound like we were trying to do it on purpose but we really weren't no. we really thought before we moved up here that it was going to be easy to find somebody to give me my it did turn out to be stupid easy it turned out easy but we didn't fucking know Mm -mm. we didn't know anything about the area no and i called a couple places that i was like we just need a prescription written like he's already been on this medication but it was really hard to get antidepressants like it's really hard just to get a nurse to write you that prescription so but we did kind of went to um portland greater portland health and they had a super Shout out to greater portland health i know they listen to this podcast <laughs> for sure they uh yeah they are excellent people there great resource for people who are financially strapped mm-hmm. yeah. or even if you're not they're just a really great resource Yeah, even if you're not they're still fantastic um but regardless you did get through it you definitely took a beating from your brain like it took you a full year into living here before you felt comfortable even after you were medicated you were like I th- I feel like you those three months were like a punching bag on your brain, and then yeah. the next months. Well, were I also like... went through the period of like rebedding in with the medication, which is also rough. Which is mm-hmm. what happened the first time because you know your brain is not used to the different signals you're sending it. Right. So my brain only reacts to any different signal as it is time to fucking panic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If it's not the signal that I'm used to having. Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a fucking medication signal, my brain's like, mm, 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 yeah. mm, 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 Yeah. But once the medication got to a therapeutic level, which I would say was around... We moved in March. August? I was going to say September. Yeah, August, September, yeah. things were like... I was leveling off and things were... Things were getting a lot better. Yeah. And I think that, oh, sorry, it's too hard to pretend like our cat isn't being obnoxious. It's okay. People who listen know that our cat's a bitch. Um, 
I think that on another note, I had my own, I have my own anxieties, you know, I'm not a perfect partner and I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to get a little uh, panicked right now of how angry I'm getting at our cat child. Anyway, um, just get, just get her out of the room. No, because then she'll just hit the door. Well, let's just time. let her fuck with the box. Right, um, anyway, so I just, I have my own anxieties as your partner. You know, I, I'm not a perfect person. My anxiety stems from losing a loved one and I will, I'm I, not a <laughs> I would really like to never hear that song ever again in eighth grade. They beat it out of me, VH1. Um, so I have my own anxieties and I think, and this is held true for, uh, a lot of people with anxiety during this pandemic. Um, we talked about how people with anxiety kind of feel more comfort now than ever because the rest of the world is anxious with them and it like kind it of is a weird kind of solidarity in it. It's like almost like you're not as panicked because you're like, Oh, like, all right, everyone kind of is where I'm at anyway. Um, and I will say that like, what's really lovely about your anxiety is that when I have my anxieties, you are able to switch into like partner helpful mode. And it's not like yours. It's not like your anxiety like thrives off of mine. You know, you don't no, see me panicking and then be like, Oh shit, she's panicking. Like, you know, cause I'm your, I'm what grounds you And yeah. I mean, medication is what grounds you. Like I cannot stress that medication and people are not medication, but in the midst of a panic attack, even if he's medicated, I'm usually the one that grounds him because we all have someone that we know is going to be able to comfort us the most. Mine's, you know, my mother or Zach um, for Zach, it's me. <laughs> so it, it's super helpful that, I, when I have my own issues, Zach isn't then like, oh my God, what do you mean you can't get a hold of your mom? Oh my God, where is she? You know, like he right. doesn't, you don't spiral with me. And so what you do is like, it's almost like a switch in your brain because you recognize it so well that like, you're just able to switch into like, hey, I know how you're feeling. It's going to be okay. And like, you don't, you say everything right. You do everything right. And I think that's really well, it's important. Just, it's, it, I mean, yeah, it's important I don't want to act like my panic disorder makes me into like this amazing therapist style guy when you have anxiety, but it just, it does, it does help to, for me, for me to suffer from such an extreme, it's, and I'm not trivializing anybody else's anxiety, but for me to suffer from such an extreme form of anxiety it's super helpful when someone you care about is having not really an anxiety attack, but a definite anxiety moment where they don't feel like anything is going right. Things are just spiraling out of control. And you're not, and that's the thing is with you, you're not a spiral or spiral or it's not a word, but I don't know what else to say. You're not a spiraler anyway. So. Well, in the in the moments where you do where it does somewhat get out of hand again not really nothing compared to me and nothing compared to like a lot of people it's just easy to pinpoint what's going on with you and it's easy to figure out how to talk to you mm-hmm. it's easy to figure out not necessarily to solve the problem but you know sometimes you got to let people cry well, <laughs> and sometimes, you know, yours manifests itself in needing to cry. And it's just like, well, that's if I'm at the point where I'm crying, you know, something's wrong because yeah. I don't cry easily and you're not, unless yeah, exactly. it is a cute video or or just a sad video of something or if like Prince is involved or Dolly Parton <laughs> singing some kind of song. Stop it. Anyway, <laughs> um, but yeah, I I mean, mine are few and far in between, but it is nice that you are able to recognize and meet me there and I know that you are and honestly like as hard as your unmedicated months were and where I thought like there was never a like a part of me that was like wow 
this is too hard or like, I wish I hadn't entered into this. And like, that's what you were telling me every day is like, I bet you're, you wish you hadn't married me. I, I bet you were like, you so regret this now. Like that's what your brain was telling you. Mm, and it's just so yeah. silly. Cause every day, all I could think about, all I was doing at TIPO was like, Hey, do you guys have any resources that I could like help my husband? He has panic disorder. He's on Medicaid. It's been really hard. And like, <laughs> it's, and it's really funny because everyone here in Portland that Lindsay met and befriended, definitely knew that her husband had panic disorder within the first six months of us living here. <laughs> yeah, but everyone was super helpful. Yeah, and it's not, it's not a bad thing. Everyone, everyone was, was so kind. Really, everyone was very kind. Everyone was very helpful. Everyone was, you know, empathetic. Yeah, and like, I mean, the um, one of the owners of the restaurant I worked at was like, hey, just so you know, I'm on antidepressants. Like, I get it. I know what it's like, and I... Just like I have a contact if you need it. And those kinds of things were so important. And this is why I think it's really so, so important that we talk and normalize this kind of thing. Because like you were even like, do you have to tell everyone? Like, can you can you just not? like? Well, yeah. And in, my sh- bra- in my brain, it was still like. Because it's shame. In an unmedicated brain, it's still embarrassing. Right. It's like, and oh, it's shameful. God. And and it's like something you want to hide away from the world because you're like, no, I need to put on the facade that I'm normal. When like, it's clear that you're not because not like you're wearing a big red flag, but it's like if you're socially awkward in any kind of way, people notice it. And, you know, I think more than half the world is socially awkward because more than half the world has mental issues, you know, and I would rather have I would rather relive those three months every year than have to be with someone who denies the fact that they need to that they need help or need to be medicated or puts that burden on me like treats me like shit or or makes me their therapist essentially and then when I try to say like maybe we should talk to someone totally you know stomps on that idea or discourages it well that's I mean that's a huge issue anyway like men need to stop sapping the energy out of women to make themselves feel fucking better yeah and then leaving the woman broken and then telling their friends well i mean i don't know man she was fucking crazy well you fucking made her that way right well and 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 it's like this the moodiness in men the narcissism i mean (laughs) name an issue my ex one of my exes probably (laughs) sorry they don't listen to this they all uh, you know, don't want me around, but <laughs> that's why we're they not together. Suck their own butt. <laughs> anyway, I think that it's so important that, like, if someone you're with, not someone trying to convince you that you're crazy, it shouldn't be like that. But if someone's like, "Look, I want to help you because I love you, and I feel like this is a bigger issue, or I feel like you're hurting me a lot, and I all I want to do is help you, and I don't want to fight, and I don't want to cry, and I don't want to do all this stuff. So, like, either we can get help together, or you know, the common denominator is that you are constantly every three days. I don't know what mood you're going to be in. And like, that's exhausting when you love someone. And like those three months, we, you were unmedicated. Sure. Your moods were unpredictable because your panic can be set off in two seconds. Mm -hmm. But at the end of it, I never had to wonder if like, is he going to talk to me today? Right. Or (laughs) is he going to hurt me today? Is he going to, because it was all hurt on you. And that's all I wanted to help was like, you never made it about me or me loving you as a partner. Like every person I've been with had been, every time they were upset, we're just like, either it was like total block out or, you know, it's your fault that I'm this way, you know? And, and that's an experience that a lot of women share is like, Oh, I'm the, but I'm also, I need your help. Like I'm the one helping you and I'm the one causing you to go crazy. That's wild. (laughs) What a a strange dichotomy. And so like, I never have an eat, like I have never. And still that moment in the the office, in the later seasons, the seasons that suck where Nellie and Pam are in the car and Nellie is like, what makes you, she just says like, oh no, Jim would never do that. And she's like, what makes you so sure? And she's like, he just loves me too much. And like, that's super cocky. She's like, mm, we're cocky, aren't we? But like, that's how I feel about us. And I am not making, we are not a Jim and Pam. I am not a Pam. Honestly, kind of fuck Pam. But I always knew I wanted to be with someone where I never had to wonder that because every person I've been with, side, except for one, which he, we forget about him, but like, Every person I've been with, I've had to wonder whether or not, like, do they actually care about me? Because that's how they made me feel was like, I don't know, no matter how dark they got, I still wanted to put them before me. They're intent on not only ruining their own lives, but ruining your life, too. Well, just because it was it was selfish. It's not even that they were actively trying to ruin my life. It was just that, like, 
it's I'm upset how it's going to manifest itself. It was I'm upset and I don't care how my mood is going to affect your day. And that is a horrible way to be towards people and especially people who love you who are just trying to help. And even if they're younger than you or they just don't understand what you're going through, if you just communicate about that kind of stuff, no one has to wonder and then no one's hurt. And so even when you were like spiraling and unpredictable and I just like wanted to wrap you up and like cradle you because it was just so hard to watch I never had to wonder if like this was about me obviously I'm not like selfish I don't think your panic disorder resolves revolves no, around no, me no but that's a I mean but that's a good that's a very good point like you know if I had never imagine if I had never told you about this and then all of a sudden I just wasn't medicated and I was a completely different person. Right. And I would not have known yeah. how to do how to deal with it. Or exactly. if when you did panic, you completely shut down and didn't talk to me. Yeah. Like that's another issue with I think a lot of men is if they're experiencing that, they just shut down and they're just like, I'm just going to wait for this to go away before I act normal again. Yeah, and well, that's also worse because people notice. And so you're not hiding it from anyone. That's just some hyper masculine bullshit. Mm. Like I can deal with these problems by myself. Right. Like, and then really, they disappear for two days can't. and don't talk to you. You can't really handle the problem by yourself because you're just affecting everybody else around you. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, it's just like, you know that my biggest trigger is for no one ever around me to talk about the universe mm -hmm. or outer space. Right. Not allowed. Yeah. It's just not, it's not a good idea. Mm -mm. No, it's not. Yeah. Honestly, Anna is that way too, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I think we all have our triggers and. But I mean, just as far as anxiety, I mean, this is an anxiety podcast. So I just want to stress that like marrying anxiety means that you're marrying, you're marrying it forever, you know? And that was what was ringing true is like, just because Zach is medicated, just because he has panic disorder that's diagnosed and he is on the top amount of medication he can take physically. And I've seen him unmedicated versus medicated. I've seen all those things. I knew before we got married and I said this to him, to you, that Look, I know what I'm marrying, and this isn't a fix. This this person's not fixed because they're medicated. This doesn't just go away. And I think people with anxiety know that. But the people who love people with anxiety who might not have as have it as intense. Obviously, I have anxiety. I've had panic attacks about things. We sure. all have our triggers about mm -hmm. stuff. Yep. But like, I don't need medication. I don't need to be diagnosed with anything. Not yet. I mean, we'll see in my life. <laughs> I'm not turning it off. I'm just saying. Right. Like, I don't. I don't have that kind of chemistry. Where it's so, it's, you know, deafening and crippling. So, which it was for you. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. when you marry someone with this, and I'm not going to get preachy about like, it's sickness and in health, blah, 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 like whatever. <laughs> marriage is whatever, you know, that's, I'm not pushing marriage on anyone. But if you agree to love someone and knowing who've, who has been honest about this kind of thing, who says like, this is my issue and they've made the strides to get help and get like diagnosed and medicated with that kind of shit then you don't just stop trying to learn how to deal with it once no. it gets hard you gotta keep you gotta you literally just have to keep learning yeah because that person that has an anxiety disorder is also trying to fucking learn how to not and you definitely don't take it personally you don't turn it around on you and say like well, are you upset about me? Like, don't, it's not about that. Like, it's a completely separate, it's like you moved in with a roommate. I cannot stress <laughs> enough that after four years of being together, there has been 0% times where it's been about Lindsay. No, <laughs> it's, I mean, you've had some dreams where like I cheated and that stressed you out. Yeah, but that's fucking dreams. Right. Well, yeah. and everyone gets mad at <laughs> cheating dreams. Yeah. But I think that the misconception is like, oh, well, I just don't know what to do and it happens all the time and you get fed up with it because it's not something you have to live with. But, and that I'm not, again, I'm not trying to make a, a totally side note parallel, but that's the whole thing with like this black lives matter stuff. It's just like, well, I just don't know what to do and I'm overwhelmed. So I'm just going to stop. I'm burnt out on it. And it's like, well, how do you think they feel every single day? How do you think people living with anxiety feel every single day? It's something, and Zach has explained to me, this is something he has to deal with and actively choose to ignore every single day in his brain. And it's, some days are easier and some days are harder, but I don't, you don't marry or make a commitment or love someone, whether it's your friend or your partner and see when it's hard and then just say like, well, I just don't know how to help it. And then like make it something you resent or that you, that's a bother to you. Like 
loving someone just means that you see their struggles and you understand it as long as they've been honest and upfront. Resentment is a really bad idea. Don't ever let it get to that fucking stage. Because if you start resenting a person for something they can't control, they they can't control them. You know, you might as well. <laughs> if you're married, you might as well just get divorced because that's that's a bad fucking. Well, I didn't. I knew going down the aisle that you were someone who had panic disorder and I didn't know the full extent of it. We talked about it, but I hadn't seen it. And so when I did, my immediately thought wasn't like, Oh shit. It was like, Oh, this. So this is what happens. Yeah. And I was just like, all right, let's fucking do this. Let's go in. And I care very, very deeply about the people I love in my life. And I think I would do that for anyone. Um, as long as they were upfront, honest with me about it, if they had treated me like shit, I mean, even still, we know I have, my whole family is like, well, you treat me like shit. Maybe we'll give you 50 chances. But like, I think that in general, what I've learned is like, as long as you're open and honest about your shortcomings or the things that are hurdles for you and that might come up later, then like your partner's responsibility is to accept those things and work with them. And you don't try to fix them. You don't try to act like, okay, well, when you got medicated, I wasn't like, all right, Zach's back to normal. It was like, oh, we took a beating and we're going to have to rebuild from this. Like, it's going to be rough. And my brain had to build its defenses back up. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important that you know that when you love someone and in turn, they take care of you. Like Zach, it's not all about Zach, you know, and his panic disorder. I bring it up a lot because I want people to know that this isn't, we don't just casually just be like, oh, well, he has panic disorders or whatever. It's something we, we live with and mm -hmm. it's, it exists in our relationship. And it can affect people that don't even know us. Right. And so, and they don't know that that's no, happening. No, they'll think like, just, oh, that, Zach, Zach's a real dickhead. <laughs> or just like, Zach's just in a bad mood or yeah. doesn't want to come. But it's like, no, Zach just like doesn't he's not feeling it which just means like he's feeling a whole lot of other things and this one is not going here will make it worse mm -hmm. and people with anxiety or anxiety disorders understand that and they know that but for people who haven't loved someone or cared about someone that suffers from that they take it personally and that's why depression is selfish panic disorder can be selfish everything is selfish when you aren't aware of how it's affecting people but if you know, then you know. And if you know, then you know. And also, don't talk to them about the universe. <laughs> or just any kind of triggers they have. But, and I don't know. It's not, again, I can't stress enough that it's not something that ever goes away. No. Zach will continue to have panic attacks his whole life. And the best we can do, I just got really freaked out about that. The best we can do is work with them. And he knows how to handle them. He handles his own panic attacks now because he's medicated. And I feel like that's what medication does for you. It doesn't. For me, it's just yeah, chug ice cold water. <laughs> well, and he's got more of a handle on it. When I see, I know when you're panicking, when you come out of the bedroom, like you said, and you are stressed and you're just like, I'm panicking. But. You're level-headed panicking, you know? I'm not saying they're always like that. Sometimes you do. You have those panic attacks where you're just yeah. like, I can't be here. I have to go. But when you feel it coming, you get up. You're like, I'm feeling really anxious. I'm starting to panic. And you get a glass of water. And I scratch your back if, I, if you need me to. And we get through it. And that's like something we're going to have to deal with. And the fact he's you handle it better now than you ever have. And that just, that's what medication yeah. allows you to do is get a grip on it. It doesn't make it disappear. It doesn't make it go away. It just allows you to have a firmer grip on the reality instead of the panic. And I'm super proud that you're able to do that because I'm not sure with me experiencing it way more infrequently. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure I can have that same handle when I start to freak out. Right. I mean, I'm a lot more, I'm a pretty rational, level-headed person. So when I get stressed about something, I don't always panic yeah, when I can't get a hold of someone. heavily infrequent. So right. when you're panicking about something, it's like something really fucking serious. Or it's just like a lot of the times when I can't get a hold of my mom, I know that how to rationally talk myself out of it. But there are some times when I can't get a hold of her that my brain has convinced me she's dead and I create like several scenarios in which like well she's not getting back to me because she died this way or she died this way or, or maybe someone kidnapped her like mm -hmm. it yeah. doesn't matter it's not rational but once i've gone into that area 
I can't pull myself out of it. I have to go through it. And having a partner who recognizes that and is like, like that day you, when I was the last time I had a panic attack about it, I was in the middle of a parking lot of a place I was trying to sell wine to. And I just was sobbing in my car, right. like freaking out. And you just drove, it was like 25 minutes away and you just drove to meet me and you were like, I'll be right there. And you just sat with me in the car and you were like telling me the things I already knew, which was like grasping onto reality, like just repeating like, like this is a situation you would know something you don't have to feel anything any other way than you're feeling right now but i'm just trying to let you know that this is the situation and not what's in your brain and like i calm down and of course you know i can't calm down until i talk to my mom like fully. naturally yes naturally. <laughs> but in general i'm able to get through that because i have a partner who's who recognizes it and works through it when all of the people i've been with before if i can't get a hold of them and like, not to make this about me, but side note, every person, every person I've loved or ever been with, I've said the only, the only issue I have is not being able to get a hold of people. It makes me panic. My dad died. No one can get a hold of him. It's just how my trauma works. It's how my PTSD works. If you don't want to see me lose my fucking mind, just be responsive to me. And I'm not the kind of person who's going to blow you up all day and be like, where the fuck are you? Why no, are you no, responding no, to me? Like, I'm not that crazy girlfriend, but if I can't get a hold of you for several hours, my brain is going to start to believe like, oh, well, you were talking to me consistently up until this point, and now you're not responding to me. Even if you're at work, even if you get busy, I'm just like, well, why were at work yesterday you were able to respond to me? So now for the last six hours, you haven't responded, and that's unusual. And so I get mad and sad because I'm like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. And, like, I have called people's works before. Mm -hmm. I have gotten, if you don't want to see me go insane, then just respond to me. And yeah. it takes, you could just say, hey, I'm busy today. Like, I'll catch up with you later. Like, a simple text is all it takes. And honestly, you should do that anyway to someone you're dating. It's a courtesy thing to do. Like, don't be an asshole, everyone I've dated. But, like, <laughs> it's just a common courtesy. And especially if the person you've chosen to be with and, like, care about has stressed to you, this is a trigger for me. I lost someone I loved. It stems from not being able to get a hold of people. And then you actively choose to ignore it or just, like, not care about it. And then you get mad at that person for acting the way they said they would act. It's just, like, a super <laughs> – it's gaslighting, honestly. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so it, that's what I've dealt with before. And it's just really, really comforting to know. First of all, Zach would never <laughs> – Zach and I are super communicative. Like, we are obnoxious. And so he would never – unless we were sleeping – would never leave me hanging. And he's also the same way. If he can't get a hold of me, he will freak out. So it's kind of nice that we're both that way. But he would never do that. But even if even if he did, he would never get mad at me for not being like if I got stressed about not being not being able to get a hold of you, you would never get mad at me for like calling your work or something. You know, no, like if no. I was like, where the fuck is my husband? <laughs> you know, um, because then it just like once I find out you are alive, which has always happened in my past relationships or my mom, then I'm just mad because I'm like, be more responsible to the people you love. <laughs> like, obviously, you don't have to be connected all the time. But and like the person needs to understand that you have a life that you are working that whatever. But like, don't agree to understand and love someone even through their ugliness or their weakest parts and then get mad at them for exhibiting those parts like that's the whole point, man. <laughs> That's the whole reason we care about people. Not that when it's is easy. The thesis statement for this episode. <laughs> exactly. So that's just my little two cents of like anxiety in relationships. You need to be communicative about it. You need to accept that it's there and that there's no fix for it. You can only handle it while it's happening. You cannot make it go away. And that's how anxiety lives in all of us. You don't just, there's not going to be a day where I just don't panic about not being able to get a hold of people anymore. There are days where it doesn't send me into a fucking panic attack. But if I can't get a hold of my immediate contacts for a long period of time, my brain starts to get that worm. And it's like, mm -hmm. where are they? Why yeah. haven't they talked to you? And if I'm in public, I can handle myself. Like if I'm around people and distracted, it's like, okay, well, they're probably fine. I'm not going to worry about it. But every every half hour, I'm like immediately reminded and then i'm like it's cool it's fine i'm fine everything's cool and fine and then it's you know i don't panic but if i'm left to my own just myself yeah it's uh 
it can spiral into a nightmare quickly. Right. And so with Zach, you know, again, that's one of those things where, like, I just said in public, I'm able to be like, it's cool. I'm fine. And then every half hour, I'm like, oh, shit. And then I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. Everything's cool. I practice my, I practice my, you know, exercises on getting myself through it. But um, with Zach, he just removes himself from the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's, I mean, it's different for everybody. Like, you know, like you said, if you're in public, you can handle it a lot better. Right. Me, it's the opposite no no um so i guess to wrap it up yeah um as we're just talking about marriage or relationships involving anxiety if anyone ever makes you feel like your anxieties are invalid or and on the other hand if you feel like your anxiety is inhibiting your relationship and you are unmedicated or if your mental disorder if you have bipolar disorder if you have personality disorder if you have anything that you feel isn't right or you're constantly worried about your effect on other people in your relationships please get therapy please see if medication is an option for you and this isn't like everybody needs medication because it's not for everybody of course not but if you don't feel like just therapy is working just give it a shot because it can because it can help it can it's helped me it's changed my life for the better well, but it's not for everybody, and that's fine. And people who really love you, who really care about you, are hurting because they want to help you, and they can't. And it's really hard to see someone you love hurting in that way. And, and one, do nothing about it. Two, take it out on you. Or three, just continue to like deny the fact that they need some help. Mm-hmm. And please don't make your partner be the one that tells you you need help. Please no. just decide. One of a huge attraction factors for me and Zach was that I, when I met him as a 35-year-old male, 34 on the cusp, but he already had gotten himself help and medicated. And that spoke just – it just – it was huge for me because there's – I had dated older men for a long time who clearly needed some sort of therapy or help. <laughs> And I was the one being like, this is exhausting, but I love this person and I want to help them. And they're just like shutting me out. And knowing that Zach was like, oh, I I took care of my shit. I got my mental health in check was like such a turn on because that means that a person was able to take care of themselves. Oh, man. She was just ready to go right there. <laughs> I just think that that's a huge proponent. And like, please don't make me don't drag me through the mud to like make me love you or like, please don't like encourage us to be together and fall in love and then drag me through the mud throughout it. Like get your shit together, handle your own mental health because you can, and you're an adult and then be with someone so that they can appreciate that about you. That's my shit. There you go. That's an excellent wrap up. Yep. Hey, you know, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for including me. I love to talk about why and how I love you. very nice (laughs) that's very nice and um Um, yeah thanks darling yeah appreciate you being on the show of course it's time for another glass of wine all right well uh yeah bye y'all see ya